Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Indie Football Podcast. I'm Ed Malian, sports editor of The Independent. And I welcome you to a ref-free zone where today we will not be boring you or more importantly boring ourselves by discussing the officiating decisions of the weekend and particularly uh, John Moss's particular fondness for I don't know what he was doing uh, but to join me to not talk about refs today uh, I have Chief Football Writer of the Independent Miguel Delaney Miguel yep uh, we're very much of a mind with Roy Hodgson on that one yes uh, big Simerson. weekend for you obviously with Ireland uh, winning the rugby in such memorable fashion brilliant <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know uh, your, your celebrations will live. I what was I doing at that moment? Um, I'm on a WhatsApp group with some Irish lads uh, <laughs> for a, a football team here, and half the lads are obviously big into it. You know, not such fans of rugby and very belligerently, uh, <laughs> you know, dislike it. Wonderful moment though, like Sexton. Well, I, I was at Arsenal. Like, the news came true. Yeah, forty-one phases, whatever that means. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, I know what that means. Like you as a yeah. teenager, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, fair play, fair play. Uh, I've also got uh, a surprise guest, a, a special guest, Duncan Alexander from Opta. Say hello. Hello. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm glad someone finally asked. No one ever asks me, you know. Mm. It's always about them. Uh, <laughs> I'm very polite. No, I'm incredibly tired uh, for obvious reasons. Super Bowl last night. Um, you know, the Eagles taking the Vince Lombardi trophy back to Sellers Park. And, um, yes, uh, I, I don't really know what else to introduce you as, except a, just an absolute genius uh, when it comes to the footballing world. So, <coughs> where do you want to start? I guess we start. Do you want to start with the best game of the weekend? The end of the best game of the weekend. So Yeah, yeah. Do you want to start, what, start and work backwards? Yeah. Well, no, the, the best bit of that game is Victor Wanyama's Strike, strike, yeah. Because it's like a one in every three or four years you get a goal. Two point seven percent on uh, XG, that one. Really? Should have done it. What a waste of a shot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> it went in the back of the net. Keep going, mate. Do you not? <laughs> I know. Uh, so they don't factor in obviously who's taking the shot because it's Wanyama. It's like a naught point naught one percent, right? Well, this is the thing with with XG. I guess it's your the, the percentages against everyone that's ever taken a shot. So it doesn't really matter who mm. takes. It. Obviously, yeah. if me or you uh, took it, or Victor Wanyama, would be less likely to score. Um, if it's you know someone Ronaldo or someone, um, then you know you'd think they'd be higher, and that ju- that tends to kind of factor out with the with what we see in the numbers. Yeah, Ronaldo would take too long to get out that far. Outside probably wouldn't be that far out the area now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, yeah. I mean. What did you make of that ending, Miguel? Uh, the, the match of the day, I watched it live and then caught it on match of the day too, where they <laughs> ominously showed Victor Wanyama coming on at 79 minutes. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. basically from then on, that was 50% of the highlights of the entire game. Um, That's always a classic match of the day though, when, when you, um, if you haven't seen the game, we're hanging, why, why are they showing this? Mm. He's either going to be sent off. So or at the start of an episode of Casualty, when <laughs> yeah, they show yeah, a kid yeah. just a, <laughs> a drill back from a shop, you're like, hang on, <laughs> something's happening here. <laughs> 
this isn't going to go well. Oh, oh no. Um, um, but I mean, a great effort from him. So then, what happens next? See, Spurs get a penalty. Yeah. Which Harry Kane hits down the middle. Yeah, surprising. At Loris Carrius. Then what well, goes back the other end? Oh, Salah's goal. Yeah. Ja- well, Jamie Carragher said. Jamie Carragher said, Mo Salah's goal could only have been scored by Messi. There's the only other player in the world that could have scored that goal. True. Ha- Hazard maybe. It's twinkle toes. I think Hazard's a better finisher than Salah. Um, the one thing about that game, even before we get to that, though, it was quite... I, w- I actually thought I thought Spurs were the better team and probably just about deserved the win. But it did look like they were kind of running out of ideas against a surprisingly robust Liverpool defence until that all fell apart. Right, I think... <coughs> Spurs looked really good in the second half, I thought. The first half, they were a bit more... I don't, it's always bad when you go behind so yeah. early. That And that sloppiness for the first goal, what, Eric Dyer, was it? The, the bad back pass. Was it Dyer? Yeah. yeah. Why yeah, Stephen Dyer, Gerrard why special. You're no, looking at me funny. I don't no. know why. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought Spurs in the second half really started kind of just dominating the game, but didn't look like getting a breakthrough. Then they get the penalty. That's chalked off. Wanyama's goal, obviously ludicrous. Uh, and then the farcical ending of it with Kane burying it with the, the last kick of the game. Do you think... You know, they chucked on Urente, mm-hmm. but I mean, he doesn't change it, anything in their attack. It is a bit weird with the Urente in that sense, isn't it? That he's just—it hasn't really happened from Spurs. No, and you know they sp- they fought so hard to get him as well and yeah. beat Chelsea to him. But yeah, he just sort of comes on in games and wanders about. And, <laughs> you know, Wait, it, waiting to knock a header down. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't like his new haircut. I'm just going to put that one out there as well. Why? Well, you know, he just suited the, the proper locks. It's a bit tight. H- handsome man. Less handsome, though, unfortunately, if we're going to be absolutely honest about it. The one thing about Kane, actually, quite like Johnny Sexton, the rugby, in which he had an earlier mess-up and then uh, rectified it by showing great bottle. Mm. The first penalty was such a long gap between the the award and the take. It was like three minutes because, obviously, there was much discussion, which we're not going to discuss, obviously. Bad bad Um, penalty or good Yeah, I think it was a bad penalty. I mean, I suppose Karras did well for not going down early. Um, Actually, do you have stats on where is the best place to put a penalty? Yeah, top left, top right. But obviously, the risk there is that you're going to miss it. I mean, you're pretty much going if you put it right in the top corner. Yeah, the keeper's never going to save it. But isn't I remember seeing some little graph that that's basically the, no matter unless the goalkeeper is basically positioned right beside a post, it's impossible mm. for them to get up there. Yeah, the reaction. The old Peace Shilton thing is you know Shilton always thought that he could wait and see where a, a player put the ball before mm. diving but you know the human brain can't react as long as you hit it hard enough the human brain can't react that quickly so um but increasingly what we're seeing this season i think is a lot of players just putting it down the middle yeah um and you know carius gambled on that and it worked really so do we think that carius had done research into kane i don't know if this is a pattern with kane yeah i mean pretty much every club now will will take penalty data and yeah, yeah. and kind of work out where a player is going to go and yeah i mean you saw with the second penalty, obviously Kane put it one way, Karras mm. went the other. So I, I always think actually it's a bit of a, um, it, it's almost a bit of a hedge your bets penalty put it down the middle. As in you're just you're kind of gambling that the keeper will make his move because you're, I don't want to say afraid to take the decision yourself, but the the only person I think that pulled it off with kind of proper flourish. Do you remember the Mendieta penalty? Mm. He would always take them in the middle. He would kind of wait. He would basically play. Yeah, if you wait. I mean, I think Marco van Basten always said he he used to wait and watch what the keeper did and kind of angle his you know his right foot yeah. one way or the other, which 
he's he can do that because he's Marco van Basten. <laughs> but most <laughs> most players can't. I mean, I think you look at someone like Lampard, who at the start of his career used to put them left and right, yeah. and, you know, mix it up. But towards the end, um, always used to go bottom left, which you know, and started missing a lot more because keepers basically worked out he's always going to put them in the same place. Yeah. So there is a kind of, uh, you know, there's a constant hedging your bets. You know, keepers are, it's a, it's a chess game, isn't it? Yeah, keepers, yeah. keepers will know where you've put your last 10 penalties and it's whether you, it's double bluffing. Would all that amplify then if you're taking a second did it within 10 minutes? Yeah, but I think what helped Kane is that he put it down the middle. So Karras is probably like, he's not going to do that again. He's right, going to yeah. go one way or the other. I mean, yeah, Kane yeah. could have probably put it down the middle again and scored. Um, but as it was, he, you know, tucked it away. Yeah. How are we feeling about I mean, the upshot of this game is meh, really. Yeah, you know, it doesn't change much. Well, like, what, what, what are we looking yeah. at? I mean, all it means is that with Arsenal's win, Arsenal are four points off fifth place. Which you wouldn't, from all the kind of uh, excitement around what happened on deadline day, Urza's new contract, and then uh, I guess the best time to talk about the game that you were at, Miguel. Mm. Arsenal five, Everton one. All that excitement, they're still, you know, a considerable distance off the top four. Yeah, and even I wrote this in my piece on Saturday. Basically, it's yeah, they're great, lovely to watch, some good football, but still, as ever with Arsenal, how much can we actually read into it? I mean, it's only three week, two or three weeks since they played Palace and <laughs> and had the similar. Or Bournemouth as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, they've gone from repeating the season every year to now <laughs> repeating the same month every. You know, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but. You know, I think there are some grounds for optimism. I mean, mm. they did; they were able to play a little bit better or a little bit differently with Aubameyang. And, yeah. You know, he took his goal was offside, obviously, but he he took it well. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's great finish. Yeah, but mm. you know, they could probably go and lose the next game, and you know, you you would you struggle to think they're going to make the top four at this rate. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Ramsey, hat trick. What always strikes me of him is, I I kind of feel like Arsenal fans. Represent him almost, or do you reckon? I don't know. It's just uh, when you compare the treatment Jack Wilshire gets to what Ramsey gets, Jack, as I should call him. <laughs> um, Aaron's been around, or Rambo, sorry, actually, <laughs> Rambo. Uh, Rambo has been like he's basically <laughs> never been injured in that way, badly, but obviously, what happened with Stoke City that time, but since then, he's just been the kind of constant presence of the team. And it's, it's probably in contrast to Wilshire, it's that classic case of almost, well, you know, you're never better than when you're not in the team. Actually, what going back to Liverpool Tottenham, just remembered Jurgen Klopp changed to a three at the back, which kind of happened I mean, just before their little meltdown. But I've not seen much um, written about it. Do you think that was actually impactful, or do, you, or do you just cast it aside and say it was refereeing decisions rather than any sort of systematic I, system I thought, change? I thought Liverpool were just quite flat in general. They, again, as you say, that could have been skewed by the early goal. But then usually in those circumstances... Liverpool use the other team attacking them against them and kind of yeah you know. they were pretty sloppy in the second half I yeah. think their pass completion in the second half was sixty percent which is like League One levels you know these teams in League One are much but you know yeah. they really yeah, kind yeah. of they didn't hold on to the ball they basically invited Tottenham onto them and eventually that's going to catch you out actually Carragher had that stat what was it two weeks ago or Sky that um, Liverpool's results when they have a certain level of possession is that to read into that do you think or? yeah I think possession obviously people often take the wrong end of the stick with possession and mm. you know think you can convert it into goals and some <laughs> sort of nectar card scenario but um i think possession what it does is tell mm. you how the game's gone so mm. you know a team like liverpool if they've had a lot of possession you're you know probably going to be at home or even away but to, against a, a lower team where they've dominated the ball mm. you know that i think yesterday was one of the um 
the lowest possession figures they've had for a while. So, you know, very much their kind of stance when they play a City or a Tottenham. Um, but, you know, it, they could have easily held on. You know, yeah. Just don't give away two penalties. It was the first time they'd ever conceded two penalties at Anfield in the Premier League. So. Is that right? Really? Yeah. I saw someone lamenting the fact that <coughs> back in the old days when, the, when Anfield had a better atmosphere, they never would have given those penalties, in, especially not in the 95th minute or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as well that both City a few weeks ago and Tottenham yesterday won the toss and turned Liverpool round so that you know they were attacking the cup in the first half, which didn't work out well for City, but you know mm. sort of did for for Liverpool. I and mean, it's all psychological, but it's one of the few grounds, I guess, Old Trafford as well, where you yeah. still want to kind of you want to do that. Do you have stats actually playing into the cup? Deep down, yeah. <laughs> He has them, but he does not have them now. <laughs> uh, Scratch that. One. <laughs> Possession. Uh, what was Manchester City's numbers? What were Manchester City's numbers like against Burnley? Because that is a, a complete clash of stars. You know, Burnley, a team that. Yeah, I didn't look. At, I think they were up around 72, 73, which is ridiculously about average for City this season. Their yeah. average is like seventy percent in games. Which you wouldn't even have. Like ten years ago, that was like unthinkable in the Premier League that a team would have that, right? Yeah, I think yeah, between sort of two thousand three and two thousand eight, two thousand nine, there was only about you know ten games where a team had seventy percent possession. And that's really Ar- Arsenal, mainly Arsenal, yeah. Um, and now it happens, you know, two or three times well, a week. Sometimes. Wenger said after the Arsenal game, he described it as we we are now in the seventy thirty league, mm. um, and afterwards went on you know this team about what the effect of the money in the Premier League and how it's created. It. So, so it's it not a soundbite that. Yeah, it, it, no, but it's a good, it's a good line. He said it's just it, and this is the nature of the Premier League now, and the team, the team with seventy does not win. I was about to do a Wenger impression there, but <laughs> yeah, no, please yeah, don't. Left that one aside. Um, Man United still second. They beat Huddersfield two 0 I have a dreadful banner that needs to be torn down. Oh, the dog thing. Oh, I mean, that is a disgrace. I mean, it's just <laughs> weird because it's it's what everyone takes a piss out of Arsenal fans for being, and then they've just gone and done exactly the well, same oh, thing. Well, I mean. <laughs> Basically, weird as well. On the same day that Mourinho criticizes the old yeah. Trafford atmosphere, you, you know, maybe you know, he saw the banner. Yeah, and he's he's right to have a go. Um, no, but United used to be. I mean, they're quite famed for having that. What did, does this banner say? It was basically "Welcome to Old Trafford, Adam and Humber" or some bollocks like that. Uh, for the uninitiated, that's Alexis Sanchez's dogs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hashtag content. <laughs> <laughs> But I, honestly, I wondered if it was a Photoshop. But United, I mean, they used to have the kind of, they, well, up, they still do have, you know, the, you know, there's a respect for it despite their size as a club. They have this quite res- this hardcore support. Yeah, they're always support. And they, they, they're don't, they, don't, they don't really proper. tolerate bullshit. No, no, no. And this was bullshit. Yeah, I mean, do you think that, <laughs> do you think that, I think United's a club where someone would actually literally go and tear that off. Yeah. Whereas Arsenal, like, no one's ever doing that because, mm. you know, yeah, I mean, United have always been able to have banners and it look quite good. I think there's certain clubs where banners look like it's a, a, an early 2000s version of Pro Evo. <laughs> Chelsea are particularly <laughs> suffer for this. Where, you the know, it's, it's our king and all this. It's <laughs> almost like it's been auto-generated somehow. But United's Badly banners, translated from Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our favourite star. Go win blues. Yeah. Um, but United's ones have always, yeah, have always been pretty good um, because I think Old Trafford has, you know, been a big ground for a long time. So you can kind of just yeah. Like, well, I remember when Arsenal moved to the Emirates, they they quickly put up all these banners because it looked so bare. But again, you know, scraping the barrel with some of the messages. Yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, this you, you can't be putting banners up about dogs. Uh, just on a bit of a tangent on the Pro Evo one, I remember like he'd be playing I don't know Brazil against Italy, and then suddenly you'd see in the crowd 
celery exclamation mark celery exclamation <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> that's, we're not at Stamford Bridge big, big in Sao Paulo um, the other thing I was going to say about you know those uh, Arsenal fans were talking about the Arsenal atmosphere they were like 4-0 up what, mm. first half and it was, apparently it was a bit flat at the Emirates was that what you heard um, maybe a little yeah it was another one of those days and we're all here to enjoy the show unless you're Everton uh, but that was it was like turn up Arsenal have entertained us a bit any words on Everton? Uh, a shambles. A shambles. Um, Crap, I think. Cr- 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 sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, obviously they lost heavily at uh, Tottenham a few weeks ago and then again at Arsenal this weekend. And, and Allardyce is, you know, only two or three months into the job, he's just chucking everyone under the yeah. bus. You know, people saying, <laughs> you know, he's, he's not beating around the bush. Oh. He's like, my players are terrible. It's like, well, surely there comes a point where you need to be like, you know, making a difference a no, little bit. So, well, afterwards in the, in the Monday press conference, basically when it's you know, six or seven journalists in a little room huddled around him, he was asked because I mean, yeah, it was Matt Dunn from the Express that acted asked him like, I mean, you have to, you went to five to back, did didn't work. Sam wasn't having too much of this. He was, you know, <laughs> well, you know, if you look at Swansea last week, they played five at back, got a result. But it's about implementation. You know, the, the tactics don't matter if the implementation is wrong. Well, there's a, there's a hmm. thing as well. Like, I've I've seen football journalists, sports journalists, criticised for not asking about tactics. But when you do ask a manager yeah. about tactics. <laughs> They very rarely want to talk to you about it because you're usually asking because they've done something that's gone very wrong. Yeah. And if they've done something that's gone very right, they don't want to really spill too much about it. Well, actually, although Allerice does go against that because there's never been... Maybe Brendan Rodgers, but they're the two managers that... Are the most when, pleased with themselves. When they've won a game, they're yeah. delighted to tell it. Here, here's how I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, quite strange as well to kind of basically say... We tried to copy it. Oh, it's like a control C, control V <laughs> thing. Isn't it? You know, it's yeah. like it worked for Swansea, so we'll just try and do the same thing. It, it's it's the unoriginal clickbait form of <laughs> modern management that he's just seen that and he's gone. We'll do that. No, I th- I, th- I actually I see the point. Like when you saw the team, it's like okay, he's going to go five, virtually a big hole, and then just kind of three quick guys up top who are just going to run around a mm. lot. But. At the Emirates, you know these things. I don't think they, they, these it, things work as well as if it's in a bit, a bit, a bit like your boys though. Two weeks ago, it was a bit like. To be fair to Allardyce, the challenge was non-existent. They went to space the Arsenal. I'm thinking like this is good, yes, but Arsenal have been given maximum space to do this. The one thing I would say about Allardyce, to be fair, at his last salvage operation at Sunderland, I think he initially started well when he first put his kind of principles in place. Then had a bit of a dip and then came back again. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
The thing yeah, is, and they're still relatively safe as well. He They've has got, got a lot of out. players, though. That's the thing is, like, yeah, you can toss some under the bus, and there's still <laughs> plenty left. Um, there are a lot how big of, the bus is. <laughs> there are a lot of clubs <laughs> in that mid table. I say mid table. It's not mid table. It's a ten team relegation battle. Um, there are a lot of teams there who don't have the deep squads that Allardyce does. So Allardyce can keep kind of chopping and changing. They've got good young players like Calvert Lewin, um, even guys who are out of favour like Davy Clarkson. It's still a good player who you can bring in, mm. you know. Um, West Ham, I look at West Ham's bench the other day, very, very bad. Palace had 18 fit senior players um, for the game against Newcastle. <laughs> then Martin Kelly was injured, Julian Speroni's injured, so they've now got one fit senior goalkeeper at the club. Um, the results in mid-table, again mid-table, bottom half of the table this weekend, the big winners were Brighton. Uh, what do you make of Brighton this season? The 10,000th Premier League match, official. Really? Yeah, it was going to come in one of the three o'clock, but <laughs> if you time the kickoffs, yeah. it was actually Brighton West Ham, which was the one, which means right. absolutely nothing in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. But it's probably Brighton's proudest moment ever. So. <laughs> they've they've struggled to score goals, and then when they went two 0 up, you know, you think this is going to be a big win for them against West Ham, who've been kind of mere recently. Um, by the way, last podcast we said they were the worst run club in the league. Mm. What's happened since? Hello, yeah. another victory for the Indie Football Podcast. Yeah. Uh, Javier Hernandez scores, and then Pascal Gross, who's been a brilliant signing for three million euros. Um, guess the last one. Now that Brighton are scoring goals, they do look like a team that could stay up. I mean, do you, do you see any of this? That they were actually by miles the best team. Yeah, I mean, I think what keeps you up in the Premier League generally is having a good defence, and they've got a good defence. Um, similarly, Swansea had a good defence, and you know, when you can just tweak the attack and get mm. a few results, I think Swansea are going to be okay, I think Brian are going to be okay. Wait, do, actually, does that, I mean, again, have you stats on that, whose team is, like, say, bottom six for the last 20-whatever years, does it kind of, it's better defences that tend to continue? Yeah, the, I think the, the only team to stay up with the worst defence in the Premier League were a Fulham team in the mid-2000s. Right. Um, kind of Chris Coleman era uh, where they conceded like 72 I think joint most with someone mm. else who did go down um, but yeah generally if you concede the most goals you will go down whereas if you score the fewest you don't necessarily go down right, so it's interesting you know it's that thing of if you can keep a clean sheet you're going to get a point yeah yeah so spot quiz Miguel who's, mm-hmm. got, who's currently got the worst defence in the league having conceded 52 goals in 26 games I saw this the other day I'm going to s- oh um, Swansea Stoke City is really? well. so yeah no Swansea Swansea only conceded thirty seven really yeah yeah Southampton worse Palace worse uh, West Ham Watford Huddersfield was conceded Everton Huddersfield conceded forty six goals yeah they are the joint second worst with West Ham I think Huddersfield do look like the team that are, are kind of sinking you know yeah. they've, they've done five the losses in a row but Blackpool the Blackpool yeah. the Hull you know Hull obviously just <coughs> survived in their first season but basically had a good start and then and then hung on I think Huddersfield you know, didn't get enough points where they were playing okay. When you look at that Huddersfield squad, to be fair, I mean, there's something very infuriating about Wagner, but <laughs> and you know, but well, he, he's done a good job. Yeah, right? I mean, you think they went, actually went up last season yeah. with a negative goal difference, yeah, which yeah. is pretty rare. So, <laughs> but that's I mean, incredible. That. If, if you look, if you look at that, um, that Huddersfield squad, like, it's basically like loads of signings from the mid 90s in the Premier League but wow a foreign player <laughs> and like where's he from well it doesn't matter he's foreign yeah <laughs> club like cool <laughs> Terrier's sign overseas <laughs> sensation yeah cool that's uh, I'm not going to pay 30p to <laughs> <laughs> but like there's not much in that squad and he's uh, do you he, think um, he's, good, he's done a good job this relegation I mean 
do we reckon that you're going to see a team stay up with a record low points total this year? Just because they all seem so bad and they're all drawing with each other, you know, it changes every week. But the yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are teams that have stayed up with low thirties before. Um, so I think I think they're they're all picking up points. That's the that's the thing with so many teams involved in the relegation battle. There, you know, there's a lot mm. of games where they're playing each other, and you know, Brighton picking up three against West Ham. I think it's going to be quite close. I think. The fact that City are winning the league by a country mile means that, um, you know, naturally the rest of the league's going to be quite close. Yeah, well, actually, what's the, the threshold now has gone down, hasn't it? That's because. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I'm slightly concerned because I really want City to get 100 points mm. because if you're going to be this dominant, you might as well put yeah, something break on, a record, on the record. Yeah. Exactly. And they're, they're now, after joining at Burnley, they can only get 105. Maximum. Oh, really? So they've only got a couple of games where they can draw, really, mm. and still, and still, you know. Which kind of shows, when you think back, so Chelsea getting 95. Uh, yeah. Mourinho, it, you know, you kind of forget how good that was at the time. Right? Yeah. And Southampton, I think, from what, what I heard, Pellegrino was in real trouble if they lost at West Brom. Um, they went 1-0 down very early on and then came back 3-1 up. Rondon scores to make it kind of tetchy late on. No team has lost more points or conceded more points from leading positions in West Brom, who are now, you know, four points adrift at the bottom. But they probably had the best window of any team in the bottom half. Is that fair to say? Getting Sturridge in. Yeah, I mean, it feels like Sturridge is too high-quality player to be in the bottom ten. So, Let alone the bottom one. Yeah. But they're four points, they're four points off uh, the, the cluster, really, and then that bottom ten are separated by... Let's say seven points from the bottom. It's three points between nineteenth and eleventh. At the moment, it feels impossible to predict the two that will go down with West Brom. If you if you think West Brom are done, but but are they? They're close, though? They're mean, close enough. You know, a few no, weeks ago, everyone was sort of Swansea. They're de- you know they're yeah. definitely down. Yeah, but exactly. they're not, You know, it, well, Bournemouth as well. Bournemouth. What's Bournemouth's current run? Seven unbeaten. I mean, they are above Everton now in ninth place, and. What there are thirty-one points. They probably only need two wins for mm-hmm. the rest of the season from twelve games to stay up. So Bournemouth have probably done it. The, the thing about it as well is, <laughs> especially with the bottom with the relegation race that way, who's fine when, when a team goes on a slightly bad run, like three defeats, three defeats in a row. You always kind of almost mentally trick yourself. They're never winning a game again. Yeah, that, that's that, that's them done. Um, and I suppose it, it works. It works the opposite way as well. Um, I, this probably will go right to it. Uh, on that though, actually, who do you think is who, who's been the most Surprising team to go down late in the season. I mean, is, has anyone kind of really dropped um, off from April and suddenly? Oh, hang on! Wow, we're in it. I think probably the biggest drop. I think is actually Norwich really early on. Th- when did Norwich go down? Ninety three, ninety four, ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, that season. They even January, February, they were sort of mid table, and yeah. they basically just dropped like a stone. Um, Blackpool, I guess, another one. Yeah, that looked yeah, okay, and then just yeah. yeah. I mean, R- you could Reading maybe as well. Would it? Yeah, but no one can ever tell Reading seasons apart in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it can happen. But I think the fact that the, they tend to be seasons where you know it's a bit more mm. stretched out, and you know they kind of drop. Yeah. Whereas this year, it really is. You know, it is, it is quite exciting if you enjoy the yeah. horton of relegation. <laughs> I thought Newcastle were very poor on, on Sunday. I do wonder about them because you look at their squad and it's kind of a Championship squad. A lot of those players there. He didn't get the ones that. The, one of the players he did get in was Kennedy, who I thought was quite good um, on Sunday. Is Rafa enough to keep up a, a I think if, if it goes down to the last game of the season and Newcastle need a point or something, yeah. probably couldn't wish for a better manager to, to set that up. Yeah. Um, but, 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, Palace actually, if you look at expected goals, they had the best rate of any team in the Premier League this weekend. Um, just can't finish. Just can't finish. I mean, you know, replay this season with a decent striker, and Palace would probably be where Leicester are. And they've got know. a thirty million pound <coughs> centre forward. Yeah, well, Benteke um, is now. I think he's his xG at home this season is like four and a half. Um, and he hasn't scored. And of other players who haven't scored, I think the next highest is like Dominic Solanke on like 1.5 or something. So Benteke really is not playing well. So um, he's a, is he a candidate for a regression to the mean, i.e. he's going to start banging them in, or is it just, it's just a bad season? That's where the mystery is, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, you would, you would think, given his pedigree, that he will come good. But, uh, I mean, there is a school of thought that uh, an injury he had was it an Achilles injury yeah, had at Liverpool yeah. robbed him of some of his explosiveness but does that affect your finishing you know like he no, was one on one he was one on one with um, Darlow and if you, if you don't feel physically right those was then it begins to affect you mentally mm. uh, it's that kind of just a little web of factors to make you a good player I suppose yeah I mean interesting yesterday he won the penalty and didn't take it mm. obviously not mm. the case earlier in the season, yeah. and that might mm. indicate his confidence is lower, or that, yeah. I mean, well, no, he. I mean, I think they put him in his place after deciding. Yeah. Milivojevic is the penalty taker. Hmm. Do not steal the penalty off him in the last minute. Well, Palace would be what four points better off if they'd scored two yeah. injury time penalties this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, in Palace, uh, even when they were rock bottom at the start of the season, were, were by no way the, the worst team in the league, and, and they're definitely, you know, should be higher than they are now. Bring back Frank. Um, Actually, on that, on Benteke and relegation candidates, I mean, not that Paul Lambert is a bad manager or anything like that, but part of Paul Lambert's initial Premier League pedigree was probably some way based on Benteke's goals, wasn't it, at Villa? Because he, he completely boosted that season for them. Mm. I think also the other thing that interested me about this game from a weird... Well, I don't even know. What it is. It's just a piece of trivia, basically. Roy Hodgson hasn't made an unenforced substitution in over a month now. He makes his players play 90 minutes. Does like to shake things he up. strikes me as a man who kind of wishes that they hadn't brought in substitutions <laughs> a little. <laughs> Two points for a win, 11 players, let's see what happens. And who's to say that's wrong? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, wanted, so, yeah. I wanted to see the new Norwegian kid. You, know, you go and get a deadline day signing, you're supposed to be this brilliant young Scandinavian striker, 22 years old, six foot four. You're absolutely battering a team. Just chuck the kid on, you know, like, especially when people are snatching at chances and, and don't look confident. Just chuck the kid on, see what happens. If he scores, you know, late winner on his debut, that is a huge momentum push. I think Palace should be fine, but people have been saying that for months and they're still very much in the mix. Is there anyone else you'd like to discuss this week? We're going to cut that bit out, yeah? <laughs> no, I'm not going to cut anything out. No, I... I, I, I Bournemouth Stoke... Mm-hmm. You know, Bournemouth doing well. Leicester City won, Swansea City won. It's the problem with that. I was looking at the fixes for next week. The problem with these mid-table or the bottom half things yeah. is that it's hard. You can't read too much into any yeah, one result. True, it's literally yeah. just it's everything's a week-to-week proposition now. Um, I, I just think you know we, we'll see tonight. But probably by the time you listen to this, it's Chelsea Watford. Um, Antonio Conte did come out and say some peculiar, well, not peculiar things. I thought it was interesting that he virtually expressly asked for a, yeah. a, a public vote of confidence from the Chelsea board, considering everything that's gone on behind the scenes this season. Yeah, and, and considering the history of the vote of confidence. And Abramovich has only actually issued one in his time at Chelsea. 
that was for Jose Mourinho in October 2015. Sacked him two months later. But the actual relevance of that is that that was a genuine vote of confidence because at that point he really did want he didn't want to sack he Mourinho. Didn't want to get rid of him, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was still two months until he, until he did, and when it kind of was un- it was completely unavoidable. I think Conte would be a loss to the Premier League. So do I. I think he'd be a loss to Chelsea. Uh, all right. He's, well, they they can get another top manager in. I, I, I've got no doubts about Chelsea. Chelsea do. I mean, if you look at, they pretty much pick quite well every yeah, time. Yeah, Chelsea have kind of managed to replicate the kind of continental model of. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really, you know, they'll find yeah. a new manager. Syria. Whereas <laughs> you see United or Arsenal, you know, literally turn themselves in knots because they know that they've had a manager for so long that when he goes, the, the edifice will crumble. But um, <laughs> removing the dictator, you know, there's like this big power vacuum. Like the generals want some power, the police yeah, want some power. Exactly, yeah. So I think, but like you say, he'll be a loss because there there's a, comes a point where you know you can't just keep replacing managers. You, you will eventually mm. go down a bit. They were lucky that Conte was available when he was. Also, I do have some sympathy for Conte's argument. Like, I agree with it that, as he said on Friday, the reality has changed. That basically Chelsea, they don't... The manager is more important when you don't aren't as willing to spend money, and which they're not, as you've seen. So now they need people who are more willing and more capable of adapting to what they have. And he, he's probably the best at in Europe. I mean... There's a lot of talk they're going to bring in Luis Enrique. Um, there has been kind of contact through intermediaries, all the rest of it. Uh, and although he's a bit of a kind of, he's a bit, a bit like Yogi Love in the sense that it's actually hard to tell how good a manager he is because of the specific circumstances of his managerial career. Well, uh, he, he did well at Celta, I guess, but and bombed you, you, don't, you don't have to do that well, I guess, to you know Barcelona were always looking at someone like him because they mm. want someone who's been at the club and whatever. Uh, Real Madrid dropped points again at the weekend. You see that? Yeah, but well, the thing with Zidane's future is just going to be decided by this PSG clash. It feels complete. You know, they're putting all their Zidane eggs into this yeah. PSG basket, and you know, if they get knocked out at the round of sixteen stage, there's just no way any. I can't think of any Real Madrid manager who would survive that. No, especially given how the league campaign has gone. But yeah, you know, imagine they fluked it again. But it is. But it is. <laughs> a, it's a club <laughs> that just Ronaldo, loves the Champions League. Six goals from the semis on. I haven't done nothing else. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard to know. PSG are playing obviously really well, and oh look, Neymar bounced the ball off his back whilst like four 0 up against Dijon. Actually, do do we think Neymar is disrespectful? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> Brazilian football that does something outrageous. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I quite like that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, any other business before um, we go? I think it'll be interesting tonight. Obviously, this has been recorded before the the Chelsea yeah. Watford game to see how Giroud does. Yeah, know? because obviously uh, this weird triangular transfer has worked out well so far. You know, uh, Bayern. Oh, scored. Michi, Michi. Yeah, yeah, yeah he scored two. So, um, so yeah, it's up to Giroud now to complete. Yeah. it was kind of weird. Like all these clubs saying, "Well, our second choice isn't great, but yours might be alright." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. Switch it around. Well, it's so. almost one of those where it's like you know, it, it, it's proof that different coach in different circumstances can work for some players it doesn't work for other players and it's like yeah we've probably got the wrong one do you want our one and we'll try yours yeah, and yeah. we'll just see how it works yeah and but also it was only one game so yeah true <laughs> but I think Giroud you know with the way Chelsea play with you know with more effective um, wing backs full backs whatever yeah. he should he should do okay I think. yeah um, but he's actually got a little bit of a yet another um, profile change Giroud in that way I mean after what his first kind of few years at Arsenal were dominated by, is he good enough to lead the line for a top team, which he probably wasn't. But he's actually, he, he has been 
a pretty effective sub for them. Mm. There's yeah. a lot of players who get classes like super subs who aren't actually that good as substitutes, which yeah. Giroud gen- genuinely is. Um, 17 goals as a substitute for well. Arsenal, which is the joint most as a, a single club. Really? Yeah, in the Premier League. So, you know. What does Solskjaer have? Uh, yeah, I think he's level with Solskjaer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I Defoe's got the most, but obviously at many clubs. Good yeah. price, Chelsea, I, I thought. I mean, they got him pretty cheap in the end because they kind of had Arsenal over a barrel. Um, but yeah, it does look like it's going to work out. You see Adamola Lookman got mm-hmm. a late winner for Leipzig after Sam had, again, tossed him under the bus yeah. for daring to want to play first-team football. First Englishman to score in the Bundesliga since... Kevin Keegan. No, Owen Hargreaves, if you Lock. count him as an Englishman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Canada's <laughs> Owen Hargreaves. And what better, <laughs> <laughs> what better way to uh, finish this week's podcast uh, than with that? Uh, can I just thank Duncan for taking time out of his Monday morning? to come and talk to us uh, I'm sure you all loved it and uh, you won't want Jack back next week uh, Miguel thank you for arriving only 39 minutes late this week it wasn't that late was it, it? you were 39 <laughs> minutes late for um, Super Bowl yeah yes you love the Super Bowl as much as you love <laughs> should have taken the hat off the rugby uh, and, and if you do want to watch uh, the rugby with Miguel next week he's actually going to be hosting an event uh, you can drink out, drink out of your shoe <laughs> and, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be at the North London Derby oh of course you will yeah. Yes, uh, North London Derby. We'll be reviewing that next week on the Indie Football Podcast. Until then, uh, please do rate, review, subscribe, all the usual bits and bobs. And until then, just take care of yourselves and we'll see you there. Goodbye.